Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, but don't worry, I'm just a storyteller. To enjoy a good story, you need to believe it's happening. If only for the time of the narration. But you don't have to look for people who listen to other stories and burn them at the stake. No. Jesus loves you. I am a storyteller. I tell stories from various traditions. Some are spiritual teachings. Some are popular wisdom. Some are dressed up as fairy tales. Others as jokes. Some are Jesus stories. Jesus loves you. When I was a four-year-old, I loved Jesus stories. At bedtime, my father came with a book. The title was The Liberator. On the cover, there was a picture of Jesus Christ breaking a chain. Recently, I came across this book on my father's shelves. The picture on the cover was exactly like my memory of it. My father used to sit next to my bed and read without looking at me. I heard in his voice how sacred these stories were, and they were enchanting to me. Once, Jesus and Mary had been invited to a wedding. We can imagine them sitting next to each other, eating, drinking, and being merry, especially Mary. Joseph had not been invited, apparently. The story doesn't mention Joseph at all. As a little boy, I was just following the narration. I had not a thought for Joseph. It's only now that I wonder, how come mother and son went to a wedding without him? Maybe they were very relaxed about these things at the time. Maybe Joseph didn't enjoy socializing too much, and so he told them to go. He stayed home, enjoying being on his own, and nobody got offended. Great. At the wedding, the guests drank all the wine before the end of the meal. Again, as a child, I didn't draw any conclusions from this fact. When you are a kid, you don't criticize. Things come and go. Bad luck, halfway through the evening, all the wine was gone. Mary told Jesus, they have no more wine. Jesus saw her coming. He said, Woman, what do you want? My time has not come. And that's a very poetic way to talk to your mother when you hear that with a four-year-old mindset. Mary didn't care. As Jesus had just pointed out, she was a woman. Therefore, she knew better. She told the servants to do whatever Jesus would tell them to do. Jesus told them to fill six big jars with water. They did as they were told, without asking questions, I wonder why. Then Jesus told them to carry a glass, a cup of that water, to the master of the banquet. And the water had been turned into wine, a wine that was even better than the one they had before. That's a cool miracle, no? We went to Mars every Sunday. As a child, I wasn't enthusiastic about Mars. It was mostly boring. Every Sunday, it was the same ritual. The priest and the crowd repeating the same words. The tone was dull. The songs were not exciting. The energy was meh. Sunday clothes were stiff and, in my opinion, ugly. 
I had to wear them all day long, and this involved not getting dirty, not crawling in the grass, not climbing trees, not playing on the ground, or doing it and being told off. I was always told off. Mars was boring, but there was a jewel in the middle of it. Halfway through, they told Jesus stories. They were not good readers, but these were good stories. I had ears to hear. My favorite, if there is one, might well be a simple piece of advice Jesus gives to his disciples. Seriously, if you believe that, you live in another world. Don't worry about what you are going to eat, Jesus said. And don't worry about what you are going to wear. Don't worry about anything. Look at the birds in the sky. Look at the flowers in the fields. They don't work. They don't go to school. And they are more magnificently dressed than Solomon. Don't worry. Your father in the sky knows what you need. Just look for the things of the kingdom of heaven and the rest will be added unto you. This sounds wonderful to me, even now. Now, even Jesus would have to admit that birds don't spend their days sitting crossed legs in their nests. Birds are just being themselves. They don't try to swim or climb or carry heavy weights from nine to five. Jesus was a minimalist. One day, he visited two sisters called Martha and Mary. Mary sat at Jesus' feet to listen to what he was saying. Personally, I love sitting on the floor. I am aware that many people think that sitting at someone's feet somehow implies inferiority in status. But I think that there is more freedom in being able to sit wherever we want to sit, on the floor, on top of a pile of crates, or on the sink, as long as we enjoy to be where we are. We are happy. Jesus didn't mind Mary sitting at his feet. He himself didn't mind washing his friend's feet on occasion. Jesus was a Pisces. Mary was listening to Jesus' every word, and Martha was preparing the food, dressing the table, looking for extra cushions, running back to the cooking. She had so much to do, and her sister Mary was just sitting on the floor listening to Jesus. She complained. Not to Mary, but to Jesus himself. He was the moral authority, after all. Jesus, is that normal? Please tell my sister to help. And Jesus said, Look, Martha, there is no need to make such a fuss. We don't need so many things. You're wasting your time. Your sister has chosen what's best, and it won't be taken away from her. I love this story. When we went to Mars with my father, I would have loved to go sit in the first rows for a change. It was a question of curiosity. My father always chose a place somewhere behind the crowd. Today, if I went to Mars, I would also sit behind. I prefer to see other people's backs than feeling them seeing mine. My father looked embarrassed with himself not quite sure about his right to exist, even in the house of God. To me, he looked like the man standing at the back of the temple in another story told by Jesus. Two men, 
were talking to God in the temple. One was standing in the front row and somehow boasting about all the good things he did, giving to the poor, following the rituals, all what's right he did. He was really satisfied not to be like the others, the bad ones, the robbers, the evildoers, or like the other man in the temple, you know, the other one behind, a tax collector. Tax collectors had an especially bad reputation in the provinces of the Roman Empire. The tax collector was standing at the back of the temple, looking downwards, beating his chest. My father was not beating his chest, but he looked like someone who is inwardly beating his chest. In the story, the man at the back of the temple was saying, God, have mercy on me, I'm just a sinner. And Jesus concluded, This one is justified in the eyes of God. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. On one hand, that's inspiring. Who enjoys the arrogant attitude of those who think too highly of themselves and despise others by comparison? Nowadays, we call them narcissists, and we don't like them at all. On the other hand, is begging for mercy the pinnacle of mental health? Should we all feel miserable at all times? At Mass, it's part of the ritual to beat one's chest at some point and say, I am just a poor sinner, have mercy on me. I think Jesus was a storyteller. He was telling a story, a story with a tax collector as a character. A, ta a tax collector was the kind of guy most people in his audience despised, a guy who collaborated with a Roman occupier and was nowhere near honest. Jesus told the story of such allegedly bad guy being honest about what kind of person he was, and he commanded him. Should that mean that we all should feel horrible about ourselves at all time? I don't think so, but I'm just a heretic. I think that's honesty that matters. Another day, Jesus would say that we need to become like small children again to be able to enter the spiritual kingdom. I really believe in this spirit of wonder, of innocence, of trust, of vulnerability and playfulness. Becoming like small children again, yeah, instead of trying to become powerful, all-knowing and all-controlling. What a beautiful horizon. Small children don't spend their days beating their chests and begging for mercy. Small children can be very traumatized by the threat of eternal hell. And how could we believe in God's love and mercy whilst living in fear of eternal punishment for our weaknesses? Anyway, I would not swear that everything that's written in the Gospels is exactly what Jesus said. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if I was able to time travel in the astral dimension and watch what really happened to see churchmen adding some bits to the original scriptures here and there. If God is just, 
There can't be eternal hell. If Hitler's soul ended up in an afterlife concentration camp, after many, many years, he would have suffered more than the sum of what millions of people suffered under his rule. If God is just, there is karma. And if there is karma, there is reincarnation. I was having such thoughts when I was a teenager. I was roaming the countryside on my moped, especially when I was in love with girls living in the next little town. It's also on my moped that I decided that I wouldn't go to Mars anymore. Between the fear of hell and not understanding why it is wrong to feel so attracted by girls, I prefer to distance myself from all that Catholicness. I thought that if God is love, he would understand. When I was a child, I used to say my prayers every evening before going to bed. Standing up in my pyjamas, I started with the sign of the cross, reciting in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. In French, au nom du Père, et du Fils, et du Saint-Esprit, Amen. And I went on with the Our Father prayer. I may have done it genuinely when I was very small, I don't remember, but I, it had become just a routine. I kept doing it because, you know, you don't get rid of God that easily, so I was just proceeding very quickly. Au nom du Père et du Fils et du Saint-Esprit, Amen, notre Père qui est aux cieux, que ton nom soit sanctifié, and so on. One evening, I was going so quickly, I made the sign of the cross, but instead of the words, I said, one, two, three, four. And only after saying four did I realize that I had, I had used numbers instead of the proper words. I fell on my bed laughing. <laughs> I stopped making prayers that night. I could stop without feeling guilty. I was depriving God of anything. I had understood that. And he would certainly not mind, rather the opposite. Still, Jesus' stories are amongst the deepest and most beautiful stories I know. One day, he talked about a man who learned that there was a treasure buried in a field. You could expect Jesus to say that the good behavior in this case would be to honestly visit the owner of the field and tell them about the treasure. But no, Jesus wanted to talk about what most of his listeners would have done in this case. Stop doing whatever they were doing with their life, not saying anything to the owner of the field. Sell everything they owned to get enough money to buy this field and invest all their time and strength into digging until they found the treasure. Yeah, the treasure? The treasure is the spiritual kingdom. It is enlightenment. It is nirvana. It is inner peace and health. It is the magic of all the synchronicities. It is bliss and freedom. It is everything we could wish for and living happily in paradise ever after. <laughs>